So we are continuing in this series called Images of the Church, as you can see up here. Basically talking about what, uh, you know, a church is not a building, it is, it's a temple, and what does it look like to live as the church in these times? And so I talk about the flock. So does everybody, from, from what uh, Larry just read this morning, and, and thank you, Larry, uh, from what Larry just read this morning, does everybody understand that, that Jesus is, is saying that we are sheep? Everybody understand that? Yes? Thumbs up? All right. Okay, so I don't know what I also have to say. Yeah, pretty much good here, right? <laughs> now, I love the Bible. I love it so much that when I study it, when I start to dig in, like really dig in deep, it gets me excited. So I've got this little smartwatch, right? And this smartwatch like kind of like gets your heart rate, like reads your heart rate and everything. And sometimes when I'm studying scripture, I get so excited, I kid you not, and sometimes when I'm preaching, I kid you not, after a while, it, uh, it flashes a little symbol, a little feet that say, what a great workout. Keep it up. <laughs> and I get re that's how excited I get. Like, I love the Bible so much that I feel like that Jonah Hill meme where he's just like this, really excited. Now, parents, grandparents, if you don't know what a meme is, there's plenty of students here that can help you out with what that is after the service. During the potluck, they'll help you out. If you do a good job, next week you'll graduate and they'll teach you what a GIF is or GIF, all right? Um, so it's going to be great fellowship time afterward and go ahead and ask them what a meme is. But I do love the Bible and in studying, preparing, uh, studying this passage and doing a lot of research, I learned quite a few things. And I also had to unlearn something. I had to unlearn. Have you ever had to unlearn something? It's like, I'm like, you can say, you can say, oh, that's just, Javi, that's just learning something new or learning something different, but I'm going to go with unlearn, okay? I've had to unlearn lots of things in my life. Example, like an old habit or unlearning some outdated information or information that is, that is incorrect, okay? So I've had to unlearn lots of things. Well, today I want to talk about, start off by talking about something that I had to unlearn, while digging deep into this passage. So I've heard lots of people preach from uh, passages like this and talk about Jesus being the shepherd. There's, there's so, many, so much scripture that talks about him being the shepherd, him being the shepherd, and, and we are the sheep. And so throughout my years, listening to, to preachers, listening to teachers, pastors, ministers, listening to uh, other Christians, I've, I've heard them constantly talking about just how dumb sheep are. Is that, is that like totally, if that's totally new to you, well, that's what people have said throughout the years. Sheep are dumb, and the reason why Jesus is calling them dumb is because they're so, they're so dumb because of this, and they, they rattle off a bunch of reasons about why sheep are dumb, okay? And so Jesus is calling us sheep, therefore, Right? So then people make the connection. It's this big joke. And pastors and ministers, even, even famous pastors have like always talked about sheep are dumb. Ha ha ha. It's this like inside joke with ministers and pastors and everything. And so Christians over the years have focused on this supposed stupidity of this, these animals. They say that these animals are so dumb that they're, they're directionless. They say these animals are so dumb they're defenseless. These animals are so dumb that they just follow the herd. 
And I've, listen, I'm, I'll confess, I've even said it plenty of times because that's just what I've heard throughout the years. And it's now something that I have to unlearn because sheep, folks, are not dumb. They are not dumb animals. They do dumb things, right? They do dumb things, but that does not make them generally dumb. There's other animals that do dumb things. We don't call them dumb. We actually call them smart, like dogs. Oh, dogs are very intelligent. You seen a dog chasing his tail in circles? <laughs> they do dumb things, right? Or cats. Like you get a laser, a laser pointer with that light, that entertainment for hours, right? And then they think they catch it. Once they catch it, it's like on top of the hand. And they just keep going. They're like, there's so many of them. And hamsters. I've had hamsters before. And I've, I go to Petco and all these animal shops or whatever you want to call them. And... I've literally seen two hamsters fighting, arguing, right? And it, it escalates to like a fist fight, and they just, a little scramble there, and then one of them falls over, falls back, gets back up, right? And then he gets on the little hamster wheel and takes off. He's like, I'm done with you, Earl. I'm, t I'm tired of you always pushing me around. I'm out of here. And he gets on the hamster wheel, and he's thinking, he's thinking he's going really far. And then, but Earl is like, oh, man, he's... I, I went too far this time. I pushed him over the edge. And the hamster's running, and he's like, he's like I'm going to go really far away. And then he stops because he's tired, and he's like, yeah, I think I'll stop here. This is a good new place for me. He gets off, and, and, and then the other guys are like, hey, who's the new guy? Right? <laughs> hamsters do dumb things, but we don't call hamsters dumb. Now, in doing all this research, I did this research, research for you. According to the internet, which never, ever lies. <laughs> students, I'm joking, okay? <laughs> the dumbest animals are domesticated turkeys. According to lots of research, the dumbest animals are domesticated turkeys. They're, listen, they're, according to these, they're so dumb, they don't know we're coming for them in a couple of weeks. <laughs> we're coming for them with cranberry sauce and filling. And you can say that, don't worry, you can say that in front of them and they're not even gonna get it. They don't even know. They have, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hunt you down, eat you, and they just do this thing or whatever it is. But, so, sheep are actually very smart. Scientists at the University of Cambridge have found sheep have the brain power equal to rodents, monkeys, and in some tests, in some tests, even humans. What a thought, right? They're emotionally, emotionally intelligent. They can match a person's, like, the, the, the facial expression with the emotion that that person is feeling. They have great memories. They can uh, remember a person's face for up to two years. And they literally know their shepherd's voice. There's this YouTube video. Um, parents, grandparents, if you don't know what YouTube is, again, there's going to be fellowship time where students can explain that to you. But there's this YouTube video where there's a shepherd, there's these tourists coming, and a shepherd tells these four, three or four tourists, and he says, hey, call out to them. Say, yep, 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 right? Real, real, real loud. And there's all these sheep just like scattered out in the field. And these tourists, one by one, really loudly are, are yelling, yelling out to the, to the sheep, They're yelling and screaming. And one by one, they come back, and the sheep couple of them just flick their ear, right? And that's like the equivalent of going, yeah, whatever, right? And then the shepherd goes, okay, now I'm going to say it. He starts yelling the same exact thing, same tone, and one by one, it's beautiful. All these sheep just like start 
bringing their head up, bringing their head up, and then they all come toward the shepherd. It's a beautiful thing. They literally know their shepherd's voice. So it's not just like, oh, Jesus is making, you know, like an example of this, it's, or making up a story. It's true. They literally know their shepherd's voice, and they'll respond only to their shepherd. So sheep are not dumb. Again, do they do dumb things? Yes. They're smarter than the average bear, actually. That's Yogi Bear. Students, if you don't know what that means, <laughs> parents and grandparents downstairs, we can have a great time and you can teach them. So we're not dumb. We do dumb things sometimes, right? Sometimes we do dumb things. So in all these years of, of like reading this scripture and hearing, in all these years, could we have been reading this passage wrong? All these years? Instead of Jesus saying that we're dumb because we're directionless like sheep, maybe he wants us to be smart enough to know that we need guidance. Guidance to spiritually navigate through this dark world. Knowing that it is not something that we can successfully do. Instead of Jesus saying that we're dumb because we're directionless, uh, defenseless, Maybe he wants us to know that we cannot be our own saviors, that we need to be dependent on only him, that only he can save us from the enemy of this world. Instead of Jesus saying that we're dumb because we just follow the herd, maybe he wants us to stop, stop striving toward independence from one another within the church. That he wants us to be more united. That he desires for us to actually look at one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. To function like the body of Christ. Now disclaimer, I'm not saying that independence is bad. I'm saying that independence within the church is bad. For example, perhaps Jesus knows that we need to have more unity within the ministries or within each other. With each other. More collaboration. Perhaps he's saying he's calling for us to have more solidarity, more oneness. And maybe that means being open with each other a little bit more in our small groups, in our accountability groups. Maybe he's calling for us to be more trusting of one another, to, to actually and genuinely celebrate each other's wins. And not so much, and successes, and not so much have a, just a little bit of a jealousy or why not me? Or that's not fair. Maybe he's calling us to, to mourn together intentionally. So maybe Jesus is calling us to be smart like sheep and not dumb like sheep, knowing our limitations and having this like self-awareness. It's self-awareness, knowing my limitations, knowing that I need a savior, knowing that without him in our lives, we're just lost. We're just completely directionless. That is complete trust. That is true intimacy with Jesus, with our shepherd. And maybe that's something that he knows we struggle with or we will struggle with. It reminds me, this true intimacy and this true uh, complete trust reminds me of, of my relationship with my children. So as they were growing up, just as, as babies, you know, we all parents, or most parents are pretty, pretty much guilty of this, even though doctors have said, don't do that. Like we, you know, when you toss them up in the air, right? And then you catch them and 
at the first few times they're freaking out. I mean, I'm not talking about really, really high, just like 30 or 40 feet, right? <laughs> just kidding. But you, you toss them up in the air, and then as they grow older, you know, you put them on the, on the bed, and they jump out at you. So my kids uh, are six and a half and five years old now. Um, I, I say it that way because last Sunday I said 11 and five. I don't have an 11-year-old. Jesus, you don't have to don't worry about that. <laughs> six is just Isaiah and Gabriel. Right? So six and a half and five years old. And so they, I put them on the bed and they jump out at me and I catch them and they trust me because I haven't dropped one of them yet. Right? <laughs> and so not too long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, we're, 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 do, we're, we're doing this, right? And so Gabriel comes, comes down and I put him down and then he's like, we're wrestling because they're boys, that's what we do. And then he's pulling my arm, oh, I'm going to get you. And then Isaiah's still on the bed. He just jumps. And then the dad reflex just, just grabbed him. I wasn't ready. And I said, buddy, I put him back on the bed. I'm like, buddy, like, you gotta, we got to make eye contact, right? We got to be ready. There's got to be a ready set go. And he's like, but dad, you always catch me. Complete trust. Complete trust that if I throw myself in my dad's direction, he's going to catch me because he hasn't let me down. Complete trust. Can we have that kind of trust with, with our Lord and Savior Jesus? To just fully trust him with our lives and say, you, you have not let me down. You will never let me down. Lord. And true intimacy. Like we, go to, we go to the stores. We go to actually, we go to Cracker Barrel once in a while. Cracker Barrel is, if you don't know what this is, it's a restaurant that is attached to a garage sale. <laughs> right? So you've been there. Okay. You've been there. So you walk in and then you ask if it's busy and it's always like cramped. I say garage sale because they're selling like saws from 1941 and it's hanging on the ceilings, which probably isn't safe. But so they always have the kids section off in the corner. My kids rush to the corner over there. They start looking at toys and we're waiting to get seated. And we, you know, Gigi's looking at hats and everything. And I'm looking at like the saws and I'm like, wow, this is cool. Like this is really cool stuff. And I wander off. After a while, my kids will start yelling for us. Da da, da da. They start freaking out at first. And then I'm like, oh, I wandered off a little too far. And I said, Gabriel, just hear my voice. Listen to my voice amidst all these people. I say, just follow my voice, buddy. I'm right here. I'm not moving. And he'll come out. And then he sees me, rushes over to me. Gabriel's a hugger, and he embraces me. That is true intimacy. He knows in the sea of people, right, and the intercom, people getting seated and everything, in the sea of all that madness, he trusts, that, he trusts his father's voice. He knows his father's voice. And when he sees his father... He embraces him. True intimacy. May we be smart enough, like sheep, smart like sheep. That's a new term, right? To have complete trust. To know that we need a Savior. We need Jesus as our shepherd in this world. We can't do it alone. We can't do what Jesus does. And to know our Savior, to know him with true, complete intimacy. And now there's... There's something right smack in the middle of, of this passage, verse 16, the very center of this passage, of this, these five verses that really jumped out at me. It's right in the middle, verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. That really struck me struck me, struck a chord with me. 
Because this series asked a question, literally, word for word, I think the second sentence says, what does it look like to truly live as God's people in the times and places God has placed us in? And so I think, and I'm like, well, what are the times and places God has placed us in? What is the current climate of our nation? What is that? That's where we are, right? So what is going on where we are in these times? And so there's no denying that there is a big, huge divide in our nation, racially and politically. There's no denying it. And there's two quick things from this verse that, that I learned. Number one is that while we're not about growing in numbers at Free, here at Free Christian Church for numbers' sakes, we do have to recognize that there are people out there that God wants to bring to him or God wants to reconcile to him. There are others that could be sitting in that empty seat in front of you, beside you, to your left, to your, to your right, behind you. There are others that could be part of of this body of Christ, of this church. And if we want to be a growing and thriving church in our community, we must always be thinking about the other. Always think about the other. And thinking about the other means being open to change. And being open to change means getting a little bit messy. Much like a construction site. If we were to expand and build and add a, a second sanctuary or make it bigger or another building or for whatever reason, it's going to be messy. It's going to be sawdust everywhere. There's going to be people wearing hard hats and it's going to be loud. We might not be completely comfortable with it, but it means it's growing. Wherever there's growth, there's work to be done. And sometimes growth does bring growing pains. And while change is uncomfortable for some of us, Jesus is looking at that change, at, at the sheep scattered, right? At the sheep scattered, coming and being gathered. Other sheep coming in and seeing them growing. And he's like, yes, yes, those are my sheep. He's looking at us with a twinkle in his eye. Those are my sheep. And the second thing from this, from this one verse is, is when he says there will be uh, one flock of one flock, there will be one shepherd. Folks, it's not our flock. It's not, it's not JP's. It's not Pastor Brian's flock. It's God's flock, ultimately. We don't own this church. And with that knowledge, I have to, I have to unlearn exactly what it is that a normal Christian Sunday service looks like to me. This is what it looks like. Maybe I have to unlearn some of my personal preferences when it comes to this with regards to music and, and lighting and the mood and the volume, attire, preaching style, expository or topical. Maybe I have to unlearn all this or maybe I have to unlearn that that is my seat. And I like to put my elbow up there and if somebody, if I come here and somebody's sitting in my seat, then man, this, is, this messes up my whole Sunday. So, in the time and place that God has placed us in, Jesus is calling us to be inclusive and not exclusive. And this is something the Pharisees who were listening to Jesus in these uh, five verses, and then some, in these five verses, they were listening to 
Jesus. And the Pharisees got it wrong. They were right there. And they got it wrong. Because even the word, even the word Pharisee comes from the original root parush, which means to, to one who is separated. One who is separated. So even within their own community, they felt that they were exclusive. We are separated, yes, but we are even separated from those. And we're, we're more gooder and more, more bester than anybody else. Like, the word for us, we're just going to make it up because we're the most bestest. They thought that they were so exclusive. And so after Jesus says what he says about sheep and shepherds, there will be one flock. If you, if you read along verses 19 and 20, the very next two next verses, they start saying, yeah, this man is demon-possessed. Rather than saying, wow, that was deep, I, something I have to unlearn, they, they're just like, this guy's crazy, in other words. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's not from God. He's demon. Demons are using this man. Now, I don't know if that's their unwillingness to learn or unlearn, or their ignorance, or their stubbornness to unlearn. I don't know which one it is. They believed that they were chosen people, all right. But they felt exclusive. They felt privileged. And Jesus wanted his chosen people to be a light to the world. Not just the nation, but the world. Not just your town and your community. Not just, but the whole world. Wherever you go, wherever you travel. In season, out of season. As Christians talk about seasons, I'm going to say there's no season for shining your light. There's no dimming. There's no turning it off for a while. There's no wearing different hats. We are ambassadors for Christ wherever we go, whether at work, at school, on vacation, at home, wherever. He wants us to shine his light for the other. And now, in, in closing, I just want to share my heart just a little bit. In these, in these times, of, of political and racial tensions. And this is just me being, uh, opening my heart, okay? My heart for the last few months have been extremely heavy. My heart has been extremely heavy. Reading people's uh, social media rants and even close friends and family members, people from my inner circle, I've been hurt by what people say and, and, I've, been, and I've been pushed to one side. They've attempted to push me to one side for not speaking up. They've literally drawn a, a line in the sand and said, you need to pick a side. You can't stand in the middle. And so I've gotten this pressure from different sides. And people say, you're preaching in Andover, North Andover. You need to be a voice of reason. You need to stand up for what's right. And I've gotten this pressure. It's just me being honest. And I've honestly, I've honestly felt for a few months now because of this, because of what's going on in our nation, because of all these pressures from old friends, new friends, from family members, from everybody, all around me, I felt truly honestly that my family and I don't belong here. That's how I felt. Now, disclaimer, this is nothing that Free Christian Andover or North Andover has done. Okay? It's nothing that has happened. It is more that I have allowed the enemy to plant something in my, in my brain about you don't belong. And I've started to focus in having conversations with people at Free Christian, focus more on our differences and not on our commonalities. 
And again, I'm just being honest. Nothing that you guys have done. Right? We love you guys. But I've allowed the enemy to, to have that place. So for a while, I wasn't listening to the shepherd. For a little while, for a season, to use that language, I wasn't focusing on the shepherd's voice. I felt a little lost. And I've, only my wife knows, and I just said, we don't belong here. We don't belong. Again, not anything anybody has said or done. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm not going to assume, but I am Latino. Okay? I am Puerto Rican. Um, I'm not going to assume that you know. And if you got a bulletin this morning, or if you can look up here on the screen, I was chosen to be one of the hand models. Yeah, don't be so surprised. It's not the first time that I've been asked to be a model. Tim, thank you. So, so I was chosen to be one of the hand models up here. So now remember, going back to how I've been feeling for the last few months, feeling out of place, feeling like I don't belong, racial tensions, political tensions, people telling me to pick a side. Like, whose side are you on? And so a couple, a few weeks ago now, uh, this, this couple came up to me and said, I don't know if they had the bulletin with them or not, but they, they mentioned something and said, hey, is that, is that you on the, on the bulletin? Are you one of them? And being honest with a bit of sarcasm uh, because of everything, with a bit of like uh, anger inside, suppressed anger and frustration and everything, I just, I said, okay, yeah, like, let me guess. I wonder how you knew. Because at first, I've seen Sesame Street, and I know one of these things is not like the other. Right? And I, and, 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 and I said, it, you know, maybe it's because, because my hands are so muscular. Fact, fact. What is it? Something funny? <laughs> Maybe it's because my hands are so manly, okay? But, I'm, but in all seriousness, I'm thinking, it's because my hands are dark, right? It, with that frustration, I was like, let me, yeah, how did you know? And this one young lady literally said, um, because of your watch. Because of your watch. And as I guess, this is the third time I say it, and I get goosebumps, because that to me was a ministry moment, or you want to call it a God moment, but a moment where I finally was able to tune into my shepherd's voice again. God telling me, you belong. I called you here. I called you here. It was a moment that gave me a glimpse of what a growing, thriving, united flock can look like. It was a God moment. I was able to distinguish my shepherd's voice and stop listening to all the, the garbage, people trying to, um, you know, put me up against the wall and make me pick a side. And it, it, it showed me how our inclusive and non-biased responses and approaches toward one another in the midst of different colors, different ethnicities, different everything. And it's not so much 
that we should be colorblind in the church and not see color. No, it's not that we should be colorblind. It's that we should see the color and embrace the color and accept the color and accept each other, accept everyone. So it gave me a glimpse, again, of how our inclusive, non-biased approaches, responses to one another can be, it can be sheep-like. Let me pray. Father, thank you for all that you are. Thank you because you are the good shepherd. And thank you, God, for, for calling us your sheep. Sheep that not only hear your voice and lean on you for, for direction and for protection, but for everything, God. Help us to know our limitations. Help us to know your voice. Help us to grow in intimacy with you, with one another. Love each other. And always think about the other to honor you, God. In Jesus' name.